I'm Tom Ferguson with Ferguson Ranch in Brenham, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. So glad to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Well, you know the drill by now. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, well, I know you're probably getting tired of hearing this story every week because I'm kind of getting tired of reporting it. But each week, the USDA puts out their weekly crop condition ratings, and it's just the same old broken record as far as the Texas wheat crop is concerned. Another week, another bad-looking report. We'll give you the updated numbers coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The battle with weeds is never ending for farmers, but here in 2022, Weed control could be especially challenging with shortages of chemicals and workers. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. As the Texas drought continues and wind velocities increase, the potential for Southern Plains wildfires is rising in mid-March. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have the story on Texas Ag Today. Corn planting is underway in the Central Texas Blacklands. This is Dr. Shane McClellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Another week has passed, and USDA has issued yet another very bad report on the condition of the Texas wheat crop. So in Texas, for example, winter wheat, 75% of the crop rated in very poor-to-poor condition on March 13th. That's USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey. Also point out that in Texas, 17% of the winter wheat heading on March 13th. And so that is the crop that is at the point of no return. Obviously, there's still a significant portion of the Texas wheat crop that would benefit from moisture. Just doesn't look like anything coming in the next several days. And it doesn't look like that will improve anytime soon. In fact, the drought is just getting worse. Months of below-average precipitation across much of Texas has led to the largest area of moderate or worse drought in the state since 2013. According to the Texas Water Development Board, 90% of Texas is now suffering from drought. That is up 9 percentage points over last week. Exceptional drought is now evident on this week's report, returning to Texas for the first time since June of 2021. Exceptional drought can be found in the central panhandle, parts of West Texas, and in an area along Red River near Childress and Hardeman counties. According to the Texas A&M Forest Service, an abundance of dry vegetation due to the drought and other factors has led to an increased fire danger along and west of IH-35 and into South Texas for this weekend. 
The Forest Service reports that grass fires have burned more than 15,000 acres since Saturday. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. With fertilizer prices tripling over the past year, this looks to be a year when farmers need every advantage possible when it comes to soil fertility. And that could mean trying products that enhance your fertility, like Source. Source is a foliar spray that gets your microbes microbes excited basically by triggering more nitrogen um, fixation and phosphorus solubilization. So you spray it on your crops, and it's a really unique way to get higher yield or replace fertilizer. That's Adam Lytle, CEO of Sound Ag, the company that makes Source. We're actually able to spray one ounce of product per acre and excite those microbes. Think of it like caffeine for microbes versus having to add a lot of additional nutrition. Because of that effect, it actually increases the metabolic activity of the microbes to fix more nitrogen out of the atmosphere. So they're doing what they're already doing, but we increase the rate. Lytle says Source has been shown to increase yields at a fraction of the cost of fertilizer. He says they offer a money-back guarantee if you don't get the yield boost they promise. If you'd like more information, you can find it at sound.ag.com. The battle with weeds is never-ending for Texas farmers, but James Hunt says that battle may be especially challenging this year. For Justin Garrett, who farms in the Dumas and Spearman areas, planting time is getting closer. Our goal was the 25th of April, maybe around the 20th, depending on the soil temperatures. But we'll start with corn, and somewhere around the last few days of April, we'll just switch everything to cotton and get it all in as quickly as we can. And then whatever corn acres we have left, we'll finish them up after cotton and then move right on into sorghum. Ahead of planting, one big priority for Garrett is weed control preparations in a time of chemical shortages. I think a lot of our uh, as-needed chemicals, we haven't obtained those. But earlier, probably around November, December, we saw the writing on the wall and started adding in storage of chemicals, Roundup, Liberty, anything we think we might need in emergency. Because another thing we're looking at is, you know, if we have an issue with weeds, we may not get our hoe crews in. And if that happens and we don't have Roundup, it's going to be a disaster. Yes, not just chemicals, but difficulties in getting the workers his operation typically calls upon to help battle weeds. Most of them come up from Guatemala and Mexico, Honduras. And last year we had a real tough time getting hoe crews in in time. And of course, 2020. That was a very difficult time. So we've had two years in a row of maybe not getting a hoe crew in time. So we just didn't want to rely on them in a pinch. So pretty aggressive getting some of our chemicals in hand. But even if things work out with herbicides, Garrett says maximum weed control will require the crews. If we can get all these chemicals to work correctly this year, you know, most of the fields, we won't need them. But there's always some escapes. There's no doubt about it. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The potential for wildfires is extremely high all across Texas this week. Tom Nicoletti has the story. My guest today is Adam Turner. He is with the Texas A&M Forest Service in Mineral Wells. And uh, Adam, as of uh, March 17th, the winds are picking up across uh, Texas, and uh, there's very high potential for those winds to really kick up here in the middle of March. Talk about that. On March 17th, we're looking at a very high probability of a Southern Plains wildfire outbreak occurring. This is a very high fire danger event. 
um, where fires will move very quickly and grow large, very rapidly. Oftentimes, it can be our most devastating fires. Southern Plains wildfire outbreaks account for something like 5% of the wildfires that occur in Texas, but they have over 90% of the acres burned in Texas. And the Southern Plains is not only Texas, but also north of the state. Absolutely. This weather event could occur anywhere from Kansas to Texas, um, but this particular day for March 17th is going to be in a box roughly from Childress to Midland to Del Rio and then back up 281 all the way to Oklahoma. So we are in day 100 of fire season for Texas. So we've had a wildfire season going since last December, and this week will not end with March 17th. The most likely areas that they're going to start are going to start within two miles of a community. So where humans cause nine out of 10 wildfires in the state of Texas, areas that are going to have humans in them are likely to experience these wildfires occurring. We are less likely to have a fire occur out in the middle of a large ranch than we are for it to occur somewhere near a town or a ranch headquarters or an area where people are moving around. That is Adam Turner with the Texas A&M Forest Service. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Corn planting is underway in the central Texas Blacklands. Shane McClellan has an update from Waco. The 2022 crop year is going to be another typical Central Texas challenge. The colder than normal weather has pushed our corn planting later than normal. Couple that with some dry conditions and it's hard as usual to farm in Central Texas. Our soil temperature at the planting depth finally has warmed up to 50 degrees or warmer. And believe it or not, as dry as we've been, there are, is some moisture out in some area fields. But roller coaster temperatures continue, but the sun has been out. And from March 1st to March 7th, we actually had seven continuous, consistent days of soil temperatures remaining above 50 degrees, which, of course, is conducive to corn plants, the actual germination of that seed and emergence as well. McLennan County and south, most of our corn is planted, as is our grain sorghum. Areas north of McLennan County are starting to plant corn, and if weather permits, they will continue, and it won't take them long to really get that corn crop planted in the entire Central Texas Blackland region. Our wheat has rebounded and is starting to outgrow the damage from our dry and cool season growing conditions. We still need slow soaking rain and plenty of sunshine to help get our wheat crop to a favorable condition as far as grain yield. The small amount of moisture we have received has some green growth emerging out in livestock pastures. All livestock are out hustling for grazing, and they're not hitting the hay bale as hard as they were. We still remain one good rain away from turning a dry winter into a promising spring. This is Dr. Shane McClellan from Waco with Texas Ag Today. Spring turkey hunting season for part of the state kicks off this weekend. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have the spring turkey hunting forecast coming up on Texas Ag Today. And Tylenol is not approved for use in horses, but it might be useful. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. This is Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I've spent the past 30 years covering Texas agriculture, so I know how stressful farming and ranching can be. Things like the economy, finances, and the weather increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. That's where the Texas Agra Stress Helpline comes in. Write this number down, area code 833 833- 
833-897-2474. That's 833-897-2474. Have you experienced problems like rising costs, market fluctuations, family conflicts, or extreme weather? Are you feeling stressed and defeated? It's okay to ask for help. Call the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline. Here's the number again, 833-897-2474. Once again, 833-897-2474. If you cannot write it down right now, just remember you can go to farmlifehelp.com. That's farmlifehelp.com. Even the toughest people need help sometimes. Don't wait. Call today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Tylenol is not approved for use in horses, but Dr. Bob Judd says acetaminophen may be useful in relieving pain in horses. Dr. Melissa Mercer from the Virginia, Maryland College of Veterinary Medicine performed a study on acetaminophen in horses. Researchers confirmed the drug is safe even when used for weeks at a time. Although the pain control is not as good as with bute or banamine, acetaminophen is fairly inexpensive, somewhat effective, and causes less undesirable side effects. We're always concerned with side effects of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or NSAIDs, including gastric ulcers and kidney disease. These side effects were not seen with acetaminophen. Again, the pain control with acetaminophen will not be as good, but could be useful in some cases. Never give your horse any drug without first asking your veterinarian if this is a good choice for your horse. The study involved using 30 milligrams per kilogram body weight twice a day for 21 days with no ill effects. So for a 450 kilogram normal adult horse, this would be giving 27 of the 500 milligram acetaminophen tablets twice a day. The study indicated that Tylenol is rapidly absorbed in horses and its pain-relieving properties began within an hour of administration. Acetaminophen could be an option if a horse developed a problem on NSAIDs like gastric ulcers and needed something for pain while the ulcers healed. The drug also does not accumulate in the horse's body but clears quickly. The only concern is the lack of pain control compared to more effective medications like Bute. Again, before using any medication on your horse, Contact your veterinarian and make sure the product you use only contains acetaminophen and not other compounds like some of the Tylenol cold and flu products. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The ongoing drought here in Texas could impact the upcoming spring turkey season. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. 90% of the state is now suffering from moderate or worse drought, and that could have an impact on the spring turkey hunting season. Jason Harden, Wild Turkey Program Leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, joins us with the spring turkey season forecast. I'm hoping for a lot of jakes out there in the landscape because that always sets the stage for the next few years. We had a fair production over the last couple of years, so there are some two- and three-year-old birds out there. Texas has a pretty conservative harvest rate, so we have a lot of carryover on our males from year to year. One thing that I'm a little concerned about right now in March is that 
we do have some pretty dry conditions out across a lot of the uh, Rio Grande range. And those dry conditions, not seeing those weeds starting to grow up, not seeing those blue bonnet rosettes on the ground, it tends to suggest we're going to have a later start to our uh, reproductive activity. Plenty of gobblers out there chasing, but there's going to be a lot of hens that aren't sitting on nest during the first part of the season because they're just not in the reproductive shape, the physical condition they need to be in due to those lack of greens. So we'll see how that impacts hunting. I think there might be some competition out there for hunters with all the hens still in the landscape. Harden says the best chances to bag a turkey are in the Cross Timbers, Edwards Plateau, and in South Texas. Most of the Rio Grande Range, we have great hunting opportunities. If you have a place where you know there are birds, been birds year in and year out, don't hesitate to go. That was Jason Harden from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. Spring Rio Grande turkey hunting season for the South Zone opens Saturday. Hunters are encouraged to check their outdoor annual for season regulations and bag limits. We'll have more on that as spring turkey hunting season continues. I'm Jessica Dolmel with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Big volatility continues in the grain markets as the Russia-Ukraine conflict continues. We'll take a look at how it affected our markets on Thursday coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Break out your camera and snap a pic for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. You or someone you know can share your best photo with the entire Lone Star State and maybe win some cash, like $250 for first place, $200 for second place, and $100 for honorable mention. The contest is open to Texas Farm Bureau members or an immediate family member. Rural settings and lifestyles are the preferred themes for all submissions and contestants are limited to one entry per person. Top four winners will be selected and published in the July edition of Texas Agriculture and the summer edition of Texas Neighbors. Snap your pick now for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. The entry deadline is June 1st. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org for complete contest rules. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The whipsaw action continues in the grain markets thanks to the Russia-Ukraine war, and that, of course, spills over into our livestock trade. We did manage to finish slightly higher in the live cattle trade on Thursday, but feeder cattle finished lower, facing big pressure from another jump in corn prices. We'll start with the live cattle market, where April live cattle were up 12, 139.47, the June up 40 cents at 135.92, August live cattle up 15, 136.65. Lower across the board on the feeder market, March feeder cattle down 70, 156.55. April down $1.52 at 161.10, while May feeder cattle were down $1.40, 165.87. Cash fed cattle market still somewhat slow this week. We've seen a few sales reported up north on a live basis. The prices $1 to $2 higher. We had live sales reported from $140 to $141 up north. Here in the south, though, things still fairly quiet. Most feedlots pricing cattle from 140 to 142. No cattle sold in the online fed cattle exchange. Packers failing to reach the reserve prices of 140 and higher. 
Boxed beef was mixed on Thursday. Choice down 49 cents at 257.59. Select up 51 at 250.78. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. They've got a grand sheep and goat sale there in Fredericksburg. Been talking to them since uh, I spoke to Wayne's dad years and years ago. Now let's talk to Wayne, guys, White Gillespie Livestock. Wayne, how the sheep and goat sale? Well, everybody had really talked about how this thing was going to go down, Larry, and uh, we ended up being, oh, maybe 2 or $3 lower. But it was really a lot, lot better than we anticipated. Especially on the lambs. Most of the lambs, uh, you know, bring from three fifty to three ninety with a few up to four dollars. But that was just a whole lot better than what we've been hearing around. Uh, the kids looked like they held up real good. Uh, you know, we had a lot of kids. The good kids all bring over four dollars. Uh, well, we did see a little hole. Some of those feeder kids were not quite as active. Uh, that re- the reason for that is that they'll be coming off in the summer, and you just don't know what's going to happen during the summertime as far as the demand, especially mm-hmm. when the ethnic people go back to their home country. So there's a little uncertainty there. Uh, the nannies were good. Uh, you know, most of the pack of nannies, the center ones bringing 120 to 160 or 70, with the good ones bringing up to 240. Uh, the replacements nannies up to $3. Uh, Looks like the belly is about steady. Most of them bringing 230 to 250 with the light ones up over $3. Uh, didn't have many bucks today. Um, so in the packer use, most of those door per use bringing somewhere right around $2 with some replacement use bringing up to 220 as a whole, like I said, I was really tickled with what happened today. And, uh, you know, we kind of thought there'd be a lull. The Ramadan, they'll start buying for that starting next week. So uh, should have some interest starting next week. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Wayne, guys. White. We're at 830-997-4394. Maybe that's it for walking the pens from Granny Marble's kitchen table. I'm Larry Marble, her grandson. Neighbor, we'll see you tomorrow. Good day. Thank you, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs dropped lower on Thursday. April hogs down 202 to close at $100.35. May hogs dropped $3, ending the day at 108 even. Class 3 milk was higher. March milk up 2 cents, 22.40 a hundred, while April milk was up 26 cents at 23.14 a hundredweight. The cotton market finishing strongly higher, getting support from a strong weekly export sales report. It showed weekly shipments staying above the 300,000 bale mark. That helped out prices along with growing concerns over our drought here in Texas. Currently, the 6-10 to 10 day and 8-14 to 14 day forecast for Texas showing below normal precipitation in West Texas and the Panhandle. And that, of course, continuing to support a cotton market. May cotton up 206 points, 121.86. The October up 174, closing at 108.70, while December cotton was up 89 points at 103.52. The uncertainty over the Russia-Ukraine war continues to make big moves in the grain markets. We dropped sharply lower on Wednesday. We followed that up Thursday with a sharply higher close. May corn up 24 and a half, 754 and a half. New crop September corn up 20 and a half at 667 and a half. Wheat market same story. July Kansas City wheat up 24 and three quarters, 1083 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat up 33 and a half at 1076 a bushel. In the energy markets, April natural gas up 19 cents at 494. April crude oil up 904 at 10408 a barrel. 
The financial markets were higher Thursday afternoon. The Dow up 417 points at 34,480. The Nasdaq up 178, 13,614, while the S&P was up 53 at 4,411. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.